This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, this is Man Baggage. I'm Russell Kane. It's the place where we get men together and force them to talk about the things girls just wish men would talk about. I mean, God, why doesn't my man talk about this? So we drag the Neanderthals from the corners, we lift their knuckles up, we switch them around, we straighten the spine and we milk them of uh, their opinions until their man baggage is fully empty and shriveled. Uh, we've covered lots of different subjects, height, infidelity, trust, love, anger and today, optimism. See, initially optimism sounds like it's a positive thing. It's an attitude reflecting a belief or hope that the outcome of some specific endeavour or outcomes in general will be positive, favourable or desirable. You could call that strength or you could call it weak spineless twat that can't face up to the inevitability of everything turning to shit. I suspect we will see a gender difference here. I don't know. We might not. And to help me unpack it, the man's head who I'm going to go into again. And had I ever gone on a rugby tour with him, I probably would have literally entered his head. But it only would have been banter. Let's suck each other up. It's James Haskell. There he is. James, I've been quite confused. I mean, one minute you're an author, then you're a sports pundit, you're sort of fitness influencer, and then you're sort of riding a digger last week. What the fuck are you, what are you doing, mate? I've always been fascinated with diggers. And I worked JCB many times before. And I basically said, look, I'd love to get qualified to operate machinery, do the test, do everything. So... I went away for a week. I went to their JCB quarry that they've got where they test all the machinery, and I basically became qualified. But it was like proper exams. So I had to do like health and safety tests, which is out of 50. If you don't get above um, 45, you fail, and then you can't do any of it for like for three days. Then you had a test out of 250 for the theory, and that's like because I did the digger driving with lifting. Of course. I was going to say, did you do the lifting module? Yeah, otherwise, of course, otherwise it doesn't count. <laughs> and so I, so I had that. And then basically, um, yeah, I got qualified to it. So now, next time there's a pandemic and all my stuff, like the DJing, the speaking, everything else that is all public facing. <laughs> when they go, that shut down. I know, to be honest with you, I could get you a job on a dumper, by the way, Thanks, um, man. Russell, because, you you know, there was no gigs last time. I, know I, you take, a do- lot, I take a lot of fibre on, so I'm guessing I'd be absolutely fantastic. <laughs> You'd be absolutely fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah, so when I got qualified to do that, which means it's just, Shit. and it's very mindful. I very much enjoy myself doing stuff. Like it's that. possibly the most manly answer we've ever had. Not It wasn't for a documentary, it wasn't for a show. I wanted to learn diggers. I wanted <laughs> the certificate. <laughs> James Haskell, a next guest, just as protean, shape-shifting. How do I define her? Definitely an influencer. Reality TV contestant, I suspect author eventually. Lots of other things. See you popping up. I bump into you all kinds of things. Channel 4, BBC, Amy Hart, formerly of Love Island, now just a legend. How would you define yourself at the moment? Oh, I don't know. I'm a bit of a, like you say, a shapeshifter. Obviously, I've got into all my political stuff as well. 
So got a handwritten note from Keir Starmer, hun, um, which is I oh didn't expect that to happen. You were like, DM um, me, DM me, babe. Yeah, <laughs> DM me, babes. I don't do handwritten notes anymore. But yeah, I'm just trying to do a bit of everything, really. I'm not your average hun, is what I always say. Exactly. And what a great surname. I never really pondered on the absolute irony of your surname being <laughs> the very thing that got broken in front of all of us by Curtis. <laughs> Amy Hart. Right, so today we're talking about optimism. By the way, I should just say for our guests and any new listeners, you may well have come here as fans of either the flanker himself or Amy. We are only asking for your opinion. I'm not asking you to go, well, I have to consider all non-binary gradations in between me and people I've never met. It's just all females. You've known mums, aunties, mates in your class, in your social circle. And of course, it's massive now with the world you've gone into. But I would definitely say I know more pessimistic, miserable, bastard men than women. It seems to be owned much more by dads, uncles and boyfriends. There are some very pessimistic, miserable women out there, but a lot more men. Are women more optimistic than men, Amy Hart? So I'm a very optimistic person. I am always glass half full rather than glass half empty. But I think in sort of in my circles, like my mum and dad, for example, my dad's like up here. He's like, yeah, we'll do this, we'll do that, we'll do this, we'll do that. It'll all be fine, it'll all be fine. And my mum's the one that grounds him and is a bit like, right, I think we need to think about this because, you know, is that going to be all right? Like, can we take this massive risk, etc.? Um, and I think that's because my dad is so optimistic about everything. My mum has no choice but to take that role on of being the one that goes, and let's bring you back down a little bit. Your overall group, though, would you say that that's unusual? I think of all the boys that you've uh, dated or the all your cousins or your mates. It seems to be a lot more, more men that are like, yeah, traffic will be shit, the holiday will be shit, the meal will probably be shit. Everything's probably going to be shit. Yeah, I think, but then is that like a, a bravado thing? Because men don't like to be wrong. So uh-huh. if they say the holiday's going to be shit, if it's a good holiday, then it's a bonus if we've had a good holiday. Whereas if they're like, oh my God, I planned this holiday, it's going to be amazing, and then it's shit, like <laughs> everyone's like, no, you planned a shit holiday. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. James Haskell, I mean, you are definitely like myself, high energy individual, intense on the right day, intense on the wrong day. But would you say you're the optimistic or pessimistic person in your couple? Obviously, you are living with friend of the podcast, Chloe Maidley. Who's the one more likely to go, traffic's probably going to be awful? That'll be fine, babe. Who's the optimist? Well, there's a couple of things. Firstly, I mean, I think, Russell, we agreed on one of your other podcasts that we were both ambiverts. If there was a big crowd, we were on. If there was no one around, we're very comfortable. It's different to an ambivert who's someone who stays in because they're scared of quarantine. Yes, yes. I'm not like that. <laughs> I'm not like, not like that. I'll tell you what. Um, and also, Amy was very lovely to me before the podcast started. So I do not want to come across as a misogynist arsehole, woman hater like my wife says I am. But actually, I have, <laughs> I have a completely different experience. I find... And I think it's because of the men that I hang around with, uh, women much more negative, very fearful mm, of what, what happens if this happens? What happens if that happens? What happens if, what happens if the girls are wearing that and I didn't do this? Or my mum always going, oh, worrying about everything. And my dad's like, just shut up, Susie. We're, we're going to get on with it. I'm very much of that mindset that I live very much in the present. And so when you say looking forward ahead, I don't really overly do that, but I'm quite optimistic about my my day and I, so I don't ever suffer from that but I would say a lot of people around me kind of because of the the nature of what we used to do and sort of we do now you kind of have to live in the moment and because of that you are ultimately quite positive you know there's a lot of fear around oh well what happens if we go there and we don't like it you don't like it and I've planned this but what happens if you don't like it it's like just get on with it oh we well we've ruined it now you've ruined it now the only time I ever fall guilty to that is if we have a row sometimes I'm a bit petulant and I'll say well, that's it, you fucked it. And she's like, what do you mean? It's like, well, it's just going to be in a bad mood now. 
And she's yeah. like, well, we, we haven't got there yet. <laughs> so that's the only time I fall down that that path of being like that. But I would say my experience is women are much more kind of pessimistic than optimistic. It's interesting you say that because that is a form of pessimism that I do think is um, unique to men. In fact, I've got to write it down because I used to talk about this all the time and I've just remembered it just now. I call it the pig valve. Um, you'll love this. Amy. Once a man's pig valve is blown for the evening, it can only be reset with a full night's sleep. So, for example, you start your night with a nice bit of a light pizza. You go Pizza Express. We're going out drinking, clubbing later. If an argument happens, as James has just described, there's tears or there's cross words, men seem less able to turn that evening back around. Uh, and my evidence for this is how many times when you're out do you see girls on the dance floor going nuts with streaks of mascara when they were crying <laughs> earlier... But now, do you know what I mean? I have my moment. Yeah, it was bad. I sorted myself out. But man, once a pig valve goes, smash a pint glass on the floor, fucking home taxi, Netflix. Yeah, 100% agree with that. I think as well, with that particular example with the nightclub, like you literally have a shower and put a shirt on. Like, that's all you do. We've been getting ready since four o'clock. So if I've cried in the toilet, there's no way I'm going home because <laughs> this is like 60 quid's worth of makeup I've got on my face. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I never thought of it like that because the thing is, sometimes with the getting ready thing, like I honestly, I walk in, have a shower, you know, deodorant, bit of hair gel, and what hair I've got left, put the gears on, and walk out, and that was it. Was a ten minute turnaround, I never, <laughs> but, I, but I was never aware that you were aware how long you were taking. It was sort of like, oh, I'm just going to get ready, and it could be an indefinite amount of time. When a woman says getting ready, it could be to the end of time, or it could be. I think the mid, the shortest time any woman's ever got ready is forty five minutes. I don't think any woman's ever got ready earlier than that. It was an Argentinian record. It was set in nineteen seventy nine. Yeah, Juan Dorito. And oh, lovely. So that's interesting. So it's like optimism is rooted in logistics and practicality. There, I wouldn't have got there. I just thought men were unable to fix their emotional state i didn't realize you got so much invested you just thought your fucking head out russell i do agree sorry just on that yep. thing about because i didn't comment on the, the bit about demanding i'm awful at getting over anything but i will say the, the simple-minded individual i am it's like i'm focused on the negativity i can't get over it this is awful oh look there's a swan and then that and that will change my mind or be like this is awful this is shit oh, that's a great tune and i completely forget about it and they talk about it in sort of mental health terms of where focus goes, energy flows. So if you're presented with a row, all I have to do is walk off, see something like a digger, and I suddenly feel like, oh, great. But it's, it's if you try to change it on purpose, you can't do it. But if you no. sort of wave something shiny in front of my face, I'm then back into the room, but I can't voluntarily do it. And no. then, then I become very uh, pessimistic. It's a good tool, though, though. I mean, I always like to give little takeout tools for our listeners. So try that, lads. Just either carry a swan or something <laughs> bright or a digger. Any one of those three, I mean, a swan on a JCB, you're going to start tripping. So I was interested in something James said there, Amy. I'm, just unpacking. I'm not being pedantic, but we're talking about living in the present moment makes you happy. I agree. But can optimism really exist in the present moment? It's surely about projection. Even if it's only in half an hour's time when you're going to walk into a room, it's not really about I'm just going to focus on what's happening now. There's a leaf, there's the tree. I am present. And that's a totally different skill to be able to think my gig, my rugby game, my appearance on TV, my flight to Vegas, my business meeting can't go wrong. Yeah. I mean, right now in the moment, I feel like you know exactly what's happening. I, I feel like optimism is thinking whether something's going to be good or bad. So I feel like you take optimism away if you're living in the moment. But um, Exactly. 
Like, I literally am the queen of vouchers since Corona because I keep booking holidays. My mum's like, stop booking flights. Like, you're not yeah, going anywhere. Same. I'm like, no, mum, it's going to go on the green list. Yeah. It's going to go on the green Like, emailing British Airways again, like, hi, can I have another voucher, please? Thank you. Yeah, no, I've done that. My St. <laughs> Lucia holiday got cancelled today. I put a lot of my mental health into the fact I'm definitely going to St. Lucia on my birthday. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to St. Lucia on my birthday. That was that idiotic optimism. But see, I don't do that, though. I think it's Chloe goes, oh, she needs a goal to think about. You know, she needs a target. So she goes, let's book a holiday. I'm like, no. She's like, why? Is that because we just don't know what's going to happen? There's no point. Just worry about today. She's like, yeah, but, you know, I need a goal. And I was like, but, yeah, but they're going to change it. So stop doing it. So it's interesting you need that. You want to plan ahead. And so I just don't bother. Like, we've got Ibiza booked in, but I, don't, I haven't thought about it once purely because it may or may not change. And I just, that's how I live in the moment thing. So I, maybe I am a bit more pessimistic than I realise instead of optimistic. I just don't, I just, things I can't control, I don't worry about. I was about to say, is it you protecting yourself because you don't think about ahead? Because if you thought about ahead, you'd be like, well, we're not going to go to Ibiza, are we? Yeah. I, I think it's down to the fact of like years of going, say, for example, we had a game on a Saturday and you wake up on a Monday and you're like, this is the biggest game where I can't, I can't wait to play it. And then on a Wednesday afternoon, you break your leg. So I, because of that, I always just said, right, what, how can I be the best version of myself today? And that's what I want to do. And if I've got, for example, I knew I was doing a podcast with, with Russell, I always have a, a great time doing it with him, really enjoy it. So I'm quite looking forward to doing this. I'm going to go see Carl Cox later. That's probably the most excited about anything Clang. I've ever been. <laughs> Fan. Like, yeah, Claire, sorry. I mean, I'm, I'm going to watch like an absolute fanboy. So that's what I sort of do. That You know, that's the way I kind right. of think about it. But then all the stuff that I don't worry about is stuff I can't control. So, for example, on the point, if I was like, oh, if you two didn't like me, I could spend all time trying to worry about it. Oh, what was if the show goes well? What was if I don't get on with the guests? What was if they don't like me? At the end of the day, all I could be is myself. And so that's where a lot of my stuff is locked up, with, down to control. And that's how I sort of live my life. Amy, do you think you can use optimism to get a different result? So you're going forward, you've got, you're going into is a meeting. Is this the law of attraction? Well, no, it's no, 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 it's nothing wanky. Um, it's, it's, you're going into a meeting, you're going onto Love Island, you're going into a TV studio, you're going to have a writing session, whatever it might be, does having a positive mindset, this is going to go well, change, not some wanky universe thing, does it change the way you behave and perform? Or is it better to say, like I've definitely done in the past, they're all pissed, this could be fucking awful, I go into fight mode and sometimes I'll have a great gig because of that. Other times I'll do the, there's me storming it, there's me getting a standing ovation, telling myself and go in. I can't tell which one gets the better result. Or if it makes a blind bit of difference. I get what you mean with that. So when I was flying, there'd be certain trips that you didn't want to do, like the five-day Kingston, like the four-day Mauritius, because it was hell. Wait there. So you're going to need to talk everyone through how four days in Mauritius is going to be held. And if it's not Kingston on Thames in Surrey, can you tell me why me being in Jamaica, Kingston, smoking with the Mandem? Four-day Mauritius (laughs) is... Uh, a 12-hour night flight out, about 28 hours in the hotel and then a 12-hour night flight back with a horrible time difference. And Kingston, we weren't really allowed out of the hotel and the hotel wasn't that nice and um, there was like rats. Um, So, but you'd think like, oh, oh God, I've got this five-day Kingston. What my five-day Kingston was one of my best trips, but I went into it thinking, I should have called in sick for this today. I should have called in sick for this. And then you get a seven-day Montego Bay and you turn up and you're like, yes, come on, let's do this. And then you turn up and the crew are awful. But I'm always like a bit of a positive. I remember... Once we um, we got put in this Bates Motel style hotel in Antigua and everyone was moaning about it on Facebook. So I literally sat my crew down and I was like, right, we're going to laugh through this, okay? It's two days of our lives. 
We're going to treat it like I'm a celebrity. Like, you know, there's like horrible bugs in your room. Like, we're just going to laugh about it. Like, we haven't got to go back again because we're moving back next week. So I sort of tried to motivate everyone by making everyone be positive and like optimistic about things like it can't be that bad come on come on come on and I think that does work sometimes so it's interesting there so Amy's talking about right so she used a positive mindset but then she turned up and the crew was awful and the hotel was awful yes you cannot change what circumstances you encounter Mm. for example on the rugby pitch James you might turn up it might be flooded the fans might be dicks from the opposition team but surely it would affect how you move, your strength, your motivation levels, if you've gone in with a negative mindset. Sport's got to be the purest example of how we might use optimism as a tool. And we can work back from that. I I do not 100% agree. I would say that a large part of my career, negativity got me through in terms of, we used to call it having, you know, like having a sit around having a cappuccino. We used to call it having a sappuccino. We used to just sap about everything. Pitch is shit, bus is shit, coach is shit, this is shit, Like, but in a funny way, but we would all still be committed to the cause. And which is fine. The worst kind of people in life are the people that moan and then do fuck all about any of it. The best <laughs> oh, thing yeah. is, is to be funny. Like, for example, if Amy was like super positive, like, listen, guys, we're doing I'm a Celebrity. I'd be like, Amy, the fuck are you talking about? This is awful. This is awful. But And we'd laugh out of it. I wouldn't be doing it seriously, yeah. right? And, uh, you know, we'd have, we'd have a laugh. The thing with, say, sport, for example, why you don't ever go into those things negative is if you imagine you're having a row with your missus, you're out of form, the media hate you. You're going to a shit ground. You're injured. You haven't trained very well this week. What I put into place was I used to do a lot of visualization. So, like you said, Russell, about in terms of imagining having standing ovation, I did that a lot of the time. I listened to music. So, when we talked about the, the turning of attention and the focus, we all listen to music, right? Doesn't matter where you are. If you're having a shit day, you get in your car, turn on the tune, you're like, fucking hell, windows down. We're on. We're back on. Doesn't matter what's happening in your life. So I use that as a tool for every game, and then I would have a little couple of notes in a notebook that would that I would rely on, and that basically meant into every single game, whatever was happening in my world. As soon as I just put the tunes on, I was in. Notes on, in visualization, in, and I, I, I never deviate because if you imagine back in the day when we played like eight games a season, you could do eight games on emotion, like thirty games a season over, you know, basically sort of 11-month season. You can't do that, so you need those anchors. And I, I apply the same rules to life now. So if I'm having a shit day, I put on the tunes that I know are going to make me feel amazing, and that changes my attention. If I, I'm having a woe is me going, oh, crap, I can't DJ, I can't do this, or in COVID, I think I go and make a list of, like, what actually can I do? What do I enjoy doing? What Go, go and get fun. Maybe go and, you know, listen to some music, take the dog for a walk, get on a digger, whatever it might be, and then I'm back into the, the zone again. So I've sort of, it's a constant battle I think you have to deal with. I love this. So these are positive tools people can use. Music, visualisation, notes. But do you think, Amy, it makes a physical difference to how you perform? I know you can't change the Bates Motel. I know you can't change it if you don't like your crew. Yeah. But will it? does it make a difference in how you engage and perform? Or is it just something you do to make you feel better, but ultimately your performance would remain the same, regardless of whether you positively used optimism beforehand? Um, I think with like my career now, I think... If I'm going into like a TV studio or doing a podcast or something, I think we sort of feed off this a little bit, maybe, in our sort of entertainment industry. So even if you're feeling down, I think your performance would always be the same because when you get in there, it's like you say, like when like you go on and do a, a gig and whatever, and it's that sort of like buzz. And I think I sort of feed off of that. I don't know whether it would actually change my performance, but I suppose, yeah, like probably I've done interviews where I've been knackered and or podcasts where I've been knackered or I've been upset about things. I probably haven't given the best 
version of me that I could do. If we look at the purest example, boxing, I've never heard a boxer go, oh, yeah, I might lose. It's fucking quite hard. The guy is telling himself he's going to win yeah. the whole time. Now, we can't get a time machine, run it backwards and see if the guy telling himself he's going to get beaten up had the same effect, more effect or different. Because we just assume because of this sort of post-American wanky meditation tape culture we live in, that telling ourselves it's going to be great gets a great result. But it's impossible to test this. There's no lab-conditioned way of testing whether that actually works. I suppose you could look at two seasons of something. But I'm trying to think of sport, for example, or two run of gigs. But if you think of it in, in real life, say going on dates, if you're going on a date and you tell yourself, I'm going to be charming tonight, I'm going to be funny, regardless of what the guy's like, I'm going to boss it or, you know surely it's got to have an impact on how charming you actually are when you sit down. Yeah. Therefore, optimism works. With, with like, what was that thing you said, James, about where energy flows, something goes? Where, where energy, yeah, <laughs> where, where, where focus goes, energy flows. Yeah, so when I went into Love Island, and I will stand by this forever, and everyone says it's a lie, and it's really not, I went into Love Island to find love, right? Everything else was a bonus. I went in there to find love, and I think that is why... I obviously famously, stupidly, did fall in love in Love Island. And I think if I'd gone in there for the experience, I would have enjoyed the experience more. If I'd gone in there to make friends, I probably would have made more friends. But I think I was so, like, conditioned on, like, I'm here to find love. Like, this is my big chance because people that I want to date are a a weird kind of person that would apply for Love Island. Um, So I'm like, right, I've got this many weeks to find myself a husband. And obviously it didn't work. But I do think that's how that... you ended up in Tel Aviv, didn't you? You went to Tel yes. Aviv the next week. Um, but that's <laughs> um, but I think that sort of is how sort of you tell yourself things. And like yeah, when you go on a date, if you think, oh, it's gonna be a rubbish date, it usually will be. Like if you're like, oh, I really don't want to go, then the whole time you're thinking, oh, I don't want to be here, I don't want to be here, I don't want to be here. So you're not as charming, funny, whatever. But if you're there and you're like, right, I mean, I love a first date because I always think this could be the first date that we talk about in 20 years and people are like, what was your first date? I mean, it hasn't been yet, but one day that will happen, hopefully. You're like that with a, let me just put the bouquet down and we can get started. Yes. Ordered. Okay, guys, I'm going to be optimistic and say if we take a break, people will come back and listen to the second part. Come back and listen to part two of our discussion of optimism, please. I'm begging you. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.